Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode number 80. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, girls. How are you doing? Hello. Um, I think we've probably been better. It's been a sad couple of days for uh, the geek community um, with the passing mm-hmm. of Chadwick Boseman. And, yeah. and I think that it's still being processed by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'll continue to see that over the you know next couple of weeks or months or whatever but um it's just such a loss to the black community to the geek community to the marvel cinematic universe um to everything and i think it's really important to remember the 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 contribution that chadwick made in portraying black panther who was the very first black superhero um, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby back in 1966. And Black Panther was a superhero that had superhero powers and also was the king of the most wealthiest nation, uh, not only monetarily, but also technologically in the world. And in 1966 with Jim Crow laws and all that stuff, still going on and still in certain parts of the country being uh, enacted and held up. That was not something that you saw in comic books. So when Black Panther finally was talked about coming to the big screen, that was a big deal for a lot of Black fans. Um, And a big deal for a lot of people, period. But the representation that it provided to black fans i think was unparalleled before and you would see even in our shop you would see little kids coming in and wanting black panther stuff and asking for black panther and uh even adults who never ever stepped foot before in a comic book shop coming in asking for black panther and at the time um tanahisi coates was reading uh was writing uh black panther and he was a very Um, renowned or is a very renowned um, writer and does a lot of social justice uh, work in writing and um, the fact that he was writing the book I think also was um, a call to people because they were familiar with him and his work in the community Um, but I mean if any of you listeners had the same experience I did when I went to go watch the movie. I mean, there were droves of black families showing up in African regalia and just like dressed to the nines and just- Dressed to the nines. Yes, I mean, so amazing to see that just like embracing of this character. And I would say a high percentage of these people didn't know jack shit about (laughs) marvel (laughs) comics or anything like that but it meant something to them that this this movie had a black director had a 
majority black cast. Yes. I mean, yeah. when you, the scene in the movie where everyone is standing on the side of the rock and it's just black face characters, just, you know, black people there, not in black face. That's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> just black faces that you see. Familiar faces. Yes. Mm. It was in of all different shades of blackness. It was so powerful and so amazing. And to see um, that as a black child, I think had never happened before and hopefully at some point will continue to happen, but definitely made an impact on the industry, not just the, the comic industry, but the cinematic industry, um, comic book related or not. I mean, they won, they won an Academy Award. They won multiple Academy Awards for that movie. So mm -hmm. the passing of Chadwick Boseman, who was the titular character for Black Panther, um, I think is uh, a loss that hits hard. Uh, mm -hmm. No, definitely. It's something Absolutely. that's definitely is being felt around right now. And it's kind of like encapsulated right now. Uh, I saw online someone describe it as a year of Black death. Uh, and this kind of was just like in an even more uh, tragic loss. Like every every life that has currently been lost is tragic. But some someone with a, a face that has uh, that is so easily recognizable and is and has just passed away, and very surprisingly, because yes. no one knew. Yeah, no yeah. one outside of his family and his inner circle knew. And just yeah. like how incredible is that too? Because most of the time when news like this. Uh, uh, is found out it's usually like TMZ or like some other like uh, gossipy right. rag uh, that somehow gets their hands on it but in this uh, this one it was the official page that announced his death and it was uh, and it was very private too which I think is extremely commendable on their on on their part and like his friends and family's part um, but also just Four years. He was diagnosed in 2016. Yeah. He is uh, with stage three cancer, mm -hmm. and then it developed to stage four, which was what he was battling, and that he eventually lost uh, the battle too. And it's such uh, it's such a tragic loss. But it also again emphasizes the fact that there is a lot of uh, health uh, negligence that happens in communities uh, uh, in black and brown communities. Uh, a lot of people die from uh, colon cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of the time it goes on undiagnosed for a very long time. So it's just, it's, it's a reminder of like, keep, keep your, uh, like, keep aware of your health. You never, uh, you, you don't, you're like regular checks up, checkups with the doctor and stuff like that. But there's a reason these, pro these procedures are needed. It's because it's for your health. And there's this negative stigma in, black and brown communities of oh no she died shoot oh we got to start all over again darn it hold on uh there's this stigma in black and brown communities of suffering in silence and oh, that oh yeah absolutely can, and that sickness it can be easily overcome with like home remedies and stuff like that and some of that i do believe is is true you can usually like patch yourself up there's like, put vicks you know, on it 
Huh? <laughs> yeah, just put Vicks on it. But no, they. But like usually when you're in pain, you're uh, you're almost expected to deal with it. Yeah. That, because that's just how it is. But it's sh- that's not how it should be. If you're in pain and you don't know where it's coming from, it, whether it be like whether it be psychological or physical, you need to get that checked out. That's it's dangerous to your health. Uh, so the it's just um um. And it's also a reminder of we never know what somebody's going through. Because in right. four years, he put out some amazing works. He yes. did uh, the, Jackie, the Jackie Robinson uh, biopic. He did the Thurgood Marshall biopic. Mm-hmm. He did the James Brown biopic. He did Endgame. He did uh, Mama Infinity War. He did uh, all these movies, and he, we had no clue. Yeah. I right. think even the, the other actors and Disney itself didn't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, man, I was completely shocked to see it online. And then I, you know, I checked it out before I shared it just to make sure because I'm like, this, this is impossible. This can't be true. And actually, your share was the very first one I saw. I'm like, look at Sarah posting this stuff that she doesn't even know is true, posting lies. (laughs) I know. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, when I saw it, I was like, I'm going to check it out before I post it because this isn't Mm -hmm. funny. This isn't a funny joke. And so I -hmm. I checked it out and it was, you know, real news. And so that's when I decided to post it. But because people I feel need to know because he was just such a loved character, he brought Black Panther to life, definitely. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way. I mean, I can't see anyone else playing him. You know, he was just such a great actor. I loved mm-hmm. him in the James Brown biopic. Um, I love, I mean, he's just a fantastic actor. Uh, he actually even wrote uh, his first play back in high school. So he was like super talented. Oh, Not wow. only as an actor, he um, he was accepted into the, I think it was the British, uh, British American Drama Academy in London. Um, he um, actually, Denzel Washington helped send him there, you know, the funds okay. to actually get him there. So mm-hmm. um, he has had said before that, there would have been no Black Panther without Denzel Washington. Yeah. Um, and he did a lot of wonderful work. He visited uh, a lot of these kids who are battling cancer. Um, mm. And he was in contact while filming Black Panther with a couple of kids who were terminally ill. And his, his the parents would tell him, you know, they're just, they're holding on until this movie, until they can see this movie. Like they want to live until this movie's, done and they can watch it and I think I'm not sure I didn't look this up but I think there was a um I think they released it to specific kids um earlier earlier Mm -hmm. um than the the rest of the world release um it just he wasn't just a talented actor he was a a a a very caring genuinely good person yeah I I'm Mm -hmm. I don't want to cry but he's a very caring (laughs) gentle Mm -hmm person and to hear him talk um you can tell right away that he he uh, he felt a lot for everyone so yeah he had great passion yes yes definitely mm-hmm. and it showed in his work and um he is gonna be definitely missed um mm-hmm. i you know there's so much we can keep talking about and and celebrating his life um 
and it sucks that this this is the year of, of black uh what how did you call it gen black death or a year black death yeah yeah it's very unfortunate uh so that's 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 how we're feeling today guys yeah wakanda forever yes yeah. wakanda forever <laughs> wakanda forever yeah Well, what are you guys drinking? Um, I would. I'm gonna pour some on the floor in memory of. Chadwick <laughs> pour one out for a real one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, what What are you guys? What are you guys drinking? So I am drinking my dark chocolate royale protein because <laughs> I haven't been feeling well, so I'm kind of doing a liquid diet uh, today. Um, I have some chicken noodle soup waiting for me after <laughs> this episode is over. Uh, and oh, I, I hope you feel better. I know, me too. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't want to drink any beer because my, my issue is my intestines. And I know beer can be kind of harsh on your intestinal mm-hmm. tract. So, um, but I actually have beer that I specifically bought to drink. Um, from dudes, I had not the 24 for 24, but they had um, the big special bottles, two for 20, and I got a barrel-aged uh, beer, and I can't remember what else I got, but they were both like really cool, interesting beers I hadn't had before, and I bought them to drink on the on the podcast. And last week it was too hot, which I know that does that sounds ironic, but I didn't want to drink beer because that would make me hot even though it was cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then today my tummy hurting is hurting me. So I'm oh. going with the protein shake and then uh, with a water chaser. Yay! <laughs> yes. What about well, you, I don't, uh, I don't have it with me right now, but I have, uh, I was drinking agua de sandia. Mm. Mm. Oh my God, that sounds delicious very right now. Very delicious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And, um, That's one of the sweeter ones. Yes, it's so delicious and refreshing because it's watermelon and and with water and ice just sounds so good right now. Oh yeah, it's really good. Well, I am drinking. Whoop. <laughs> Oops, I, I I got too excited. It's called Black is Beautiful. Um, and it is. It's actually a collaborative effort to raise awareness for the injustices people of color face daily and raise funds uh, for police brutality reform and legal defense uh, for those who have been wronged. And this is a collaboration across several uh, uh, breweries that that are all rocking this wonderful Black is Beautiful label. And this, nice. spe- this specific one is from uh, the Long Beach Beer Lab, uh, which I have never heard of before, but uh, I'm, I'm so glad I'm going to be able to taste this. This is actually a, a 10% um, Imperial Stout. So I'll be drinking. Wow. Yeah. That- wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, Honestly, that sounds really good. Yeah. And, um, and, off the off the air, Kristen was telling me about how she uh, was looking at the one that uh, Crown and Hops had brewed. Um, yes. 
at the beginning, I thought that it was just uh, one brewery that had this beautiful label and was brewing this, but it's a collaborative effort across several breweries. And if you go on the website or if you Google Black is Beautiful Beer, uh, you'll be able to see what other um, breweries are participating in this collaboration um, to raise awareness against people of color. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, that is. Pops is actually a brand new brewery that is black woman owned uh, and is opening in Inglewood. They're going to be opening a um, uh, tap room, um, which unfortunately right now are all closed because of the pandemic, but they are doing curbs. Most tap rooms are doing curbside service right now. So I'm not sure if that's something that crowns and crowns and hops will is doing or will be doing, but um, definitely if you are in the LA area um, and want to support black owned and women owned businesses, then check out crown crowns and hops. Crown and hops. Yes. Um, and uh, just to let you know, man, this brew right here is oh so so thick looking i know but it isn't it actually feels it looks thick but it feels really smooth and uh it's, <laughs> and, and and it's it's really dangerous because it's 10 percent, but it goes down so smoothly you could definitely like find yourself like really messed up if you don't if you don't really <laughs> if i hadn't read the label that it was 10 percent, i probably would be sipping a lot faster because it's yeah. so <laughs> so delicious there's like some notes of of chocolate coffee and it's actually sweet so oh. like i said it's um Ooh. it's dangerous so like I, I, a stout yes imperial okay. stout yeah you said it was an imperial stout yes 10 percent, guys oh my god but it looks amazing and uh to uh, to promote cheers <laughs> this is another uh brown owned uh, uh brand cheers motherfuckers <laughs> Anyway, so that's what I'm drinking today, but I'm going to drink it very slowly because I'm a little scared. Uh, but yes, um, <laughs> let's get right into it, guys. Uh, Jen, chisme de la semana, please. So, chisme, and this one is like, ooh, a doozy. So, a while, uh, like a couple of days ago, or like a week ago, uh, Ubisoft released uh, a trailer for a new game that they're doing called uh, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. Uh, and the thing about this game is that in the original trailer, you see uh, a, a, like an open shot of a city and you see the police standing off against protesters. Uh, and someone is narrating it and they, they're saying like, uh, like it's like, the government has failed the people and the people are revolting but as the people are revolting like this shadowy terrorist organization is taking advantage to like uh so like um uh, chaos and like uh turn uh, like and perform terrorist operations and the symbol that they decide to use is uh the black lives matter uh um uh, black fist symbol uh -huh. in the trailer wow. so uh, posing that the that the protesters are are being controlled by terrorists. So While using the Black Lives Matter fist logo, that's <laughs> unbelievable. Who let yeah. that through production? A bunch of white people. 
Oh yeah. my God. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> Ubisoft is um, uh, a French gaming company. So of course they don't know anything uh, relating to race problems in the US. And yeah. they all decided like, yeah, this sounds like good. This sounds like uh, okay to do. Uh, and so they, of course, faced a lot of backlash. And today they apologized and have removed the fist from uh, their uh, logo. But I think they have kind of shown face uh, of what that company is like inside because they let that happen. So that means that internally, somebody looked at this and said it was okay. Mm-hmm. And like somebody looked at this and didn't like, didn't look around. Or they did look around and they're like, you know what? That's exactly what this looks like. This is that's exactly what the Black Lives Matter uh, looks like. It is doing. It is a terrorist operation. Yep. And the Tom Clancy games are very popular. They're kind of uh, they're kind of an FPS games that uh, that uh, like you you yourself are like a soldier or something, uh, or uh, and you fight terrorist organizations across the world. Uh, that's what most of the Tom Clancy games are. But this one was just a little bit too... It was No, it wasn't even just a little bit. It was blatantly very, like, uh, geared towards a certain audience that I, that I don't... That I, like, you... Like, you're saying, like, okay, this is, this is okay. Especially after what has happened about that 17-year-old uh, who was driven uh, across state lines to shoot people. Like, you're basically yeah. saying, like, hey, that dude, he's got it right, basically. Yep. And so it's, not only is it deeply insensitive, it is deeply incorrect as well. Uh, and it's just, uh, it, it's, <laughs> uh, as, some, as again, as someone said, they might as well have got, called the game Tom, Tom Clancy's Antifa Squad. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is some crazy mm. cheese right there, dude. I can't believe that. I mean, this goes through a lot of hands. It's just not, it's not somebody putting out a product, you know, one person and that's it. I mean, this goes through quality control. This goes through several, several departments before it's released. So I'm really surprised that that wasn't caught on time or in a, you know, in a manner where, uh, but I'm also glad that the backlash had them come out and speak on it and apologize for it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the damage definitely is done for sure. Mm-hmm. What did you say? Ubisoft is a French uh, gaming company, but it, they're huge. They've done a lot of video games that are like super popular. Um, yeah. um, but not only that, they're, uh, they have a lot of like racism, sexual harassment, and like uh, violence in the workplace uh, kind of uh, atmosphere going on that was uh, exp- done that was uh, revealed in an expose by Kotaku uh, a while ago, and so it's just it. This is all piling up on top of that, so it's like uh, it's a shit show. Wow, for Ubisoft right now, and this it's really funny because it's it's a mobile game, but right now mobile mobile games are really hot because yeah. no one's got nothing to do. Oh, video games <laughs> yeah. are super hot right now because no one's got anything to do. Uh-huh. So it's, uh, uh, I guess in, if things were like uh, back to normal, quote unquote, may, this would have probably flown under the radar 
or would not have received a lot of press, but it got a lot of attention. Yeah. And they have apologized about it and said that they are removing the in- imagery, but the basis of the game is still pretty much the same. Uh, that fascism is good and protesters are violent right. terrorists. Terrorists, right. Uh, oh my God. So that is my chisme de la semana. All right, guys, it's time for our book review. And what are we reviewing today? Jen. I am ready. I have been wanting to read this book for so long. Yes. And and Um, I had it in the back of my car for probably two years. (laughs) And and I remember, uh, I think the second issue was picked up at Long Beach Comic Con. and, Mm -hmm. uh, And Jen and I rode the Metro there. And she was just like, read it. We're we're like we're in the metro. We're on the, we're on the train. We're on the train. Just read it, and then I I I mean I kind of just wanted to take a nap because it was such a long day, a long weekend. <laughs> but I did read it, and I was like, oh my god, I love it. I love. It. I'm like I'm like Jen. Jen, um, when's the third issue coming out? She's like, oh, I don't know. But we have the, we are actually reading the first three issues of this series. Jen, yeah. take it away. So the book is called Dragons by the Yard. And it is published by Chimera Press. And I believe uh, it was published uh, around 2017, uh, the first issue. And it is written by Kelly Swales, uh, penciled by Paola Amormino, uh, inked by Laurie Foster, colored by Sandra Molino, uh, lettered by Catherine Arenta, and uh, edited by uh, Dr. De- uh, Debbie Lynn Smith. And it is based on a short story by Debbie Lynn Smith. So uh, the reason we are reviewing this is because Chimera Press is an all-women publishing company yes. that is focusing on telling stories written, drawn, inked, penciled, all done by women. Uh, I believe Kristen has more information on the creation of Chimera Press. Well, uh, Chimera Press is by, is was started by that Debbie woman. Um, the Debbie woman. Yeah, there you go. And um, in one of the books that we read, we have three single issues that we picked up at different um, at different conventions and in one of them there is a back matter letter from I don't know the editor the creator whatever by Debbie talking about how she actually started out as a TV writer and she uh, I can't remember what some of the TV shows that she used to write for were but there were ones that I was pretty familiar with and uh, that were you know pretty well known if we were to if I were to remember them and say them, you probably would know them too. But I, I, have, them right. yeah. I have them right here. It's oh, okay. um, uh, Murder, She Wrote, there Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, and Touched by an Angel. Yes. Oh my God. I, you know what? <laughs> Touched by an Angel, I haven't watched. But Dr. Quinn and... I used the, to love Dr. Quinn. Me Medicine too. Woman. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, what, Jane Seymour, that just made it yes. for me. Like She was yes. just amazing. I love I loved that show. What was the other one? Murder, she wrote. Murder, Murder she, wrote. she wrote. I I met a lot of people that have. Yes, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> oh my God! It's oh. Anyway, keep going. I'm so excited. <laughs> so anyway, 
she was a a writer on some of these big and in their time these shows were all very big and very um popular and um interesting now that we read that now that we know what those titles were those are actually pretty like um feminist uh tv shows too with strong women yes. in, in the major roles um but anyway she had a medical issue that took her away from her job and it ended up being and if i can remember what i read it almost is like you know when they say truth is stranger than fiction she got some kind of weird throat cancer mouth cancer or whatever from eating microwave popcorn i know i what are the <laughs> i mean Oh my God. It reminds me of Fight Club all over again. Like, did you guys pull them from, uh, from sales? No, no. If the numbers are lower, like if, if, uh, only a few people die compared to like, you, you know, <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm not eating microwave popcorn ever again. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my gosh, how do you get cancer from microwave popcorn? So anyway, she ended up getting a settlement from her medical issue, I guess she, I don't know. And also, how do you make the connection? How do you know that that's what caused it? I have a lot of questions. <laughs> but um, regardless, she took the money she got from that settlement and she started Chimera Press. And uh, on the website, which is Chimera Press, which is uh, .com, which is K-Y-M-E-R-A-P-R-E-S-S, um, they talk about how um, by now most everyone knows that the fastest growing demographic in uh, comics is women um, and that uh, most every convention uh, and expo and everything are attended by at least 50% women right. uh, and that um, However, when she would go to her local comic book shop and look at the shelves um, or like look at uh, even who was sitting behind the tables at the comic conventions, mm -hmm. she realized that it was still dominated by men. So mm -hmm. she wanted to take this uh, Chimera Press um, publication uh, entity and really focus on uplifting women in the industry. So they, their focus is providing um, compelling stories created and written by women that everybody will enjoy. And so um, when you go to their, to their website, you see a whole bunch of very interesting and cool titles. And um, you really kind of, in reading, I've only read... I think I might have read Pet Noir. That sounds familiar to me. But when yeah. you, even in reading Dragons by the Yard, it's very, like, it, it, you can tell that it, the, its intended audience uh, or its intent, it's, the people who are writing it are very cognizant of um, making comics accessible and enjoyable by everybody. There's no mm -hmm. titty pics or, you know, there's, there's – the way that they're drawn or the way, I mean, even Anna, the main character in the one we have is a very voluptuous woman. Um, so mm -hmm. 
I actually love the idea of Chimera Press, and um, we've been wanting to, uh, Jen especially, <laughs> has been wanting to read this book and highlight this. I think we actually talked about Chimera Press a long time ago, but only maybe like as a juntos or on my radar or something. So um, I'm very happy that we're able to talk about them today because they have a lot of amazing books to offer and mm -hmm. um, they're all available online on their website. And um, we're going to tell you all about Dragons by the Yard today. Yes. <laughs> so excited. First of all, the art is spectacular. The um, art is I, so pretty. It's so, it's, it's so pretty, it's so, and it has these earthy colors like sunset palettes. I call it, I, I call them palettes because I've recently been watching some, uh, some uh, makeup videos. <laughs> so, um, so they have uh, these sunset palettes and then they have like a deep blue, uh, blue uh, with uh, kind of like an ocean palette, like deep blues with uh, purples and greens. It, it just, it's really great. Um, I love, 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 love the book. And we start off in, we open up the scene where uh, it takes place in Pasadena. Yeah. In, that, in the uh, Rose yeah. Swap Me. Uh-huh. I've been there <laughs> once and it's such a magical place. Okay. Have you guys been? <laughs> Uh, I, I've, I've only never been actually there been inside. I used to run around the Rose Bowl on Sundays when it would happen. Um, but I never been, been inside because uh, it's expensive to get in. Like, it, yeah. The well, earlier you go, the more expensive it is. But the later you go, the less good stuff is left. So yes, we've yeah. never been. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went because I was working for a jewelry maker at the time. I think it was like I was uh, right out of high school. And uh, she was she had a table there that she was going to sell. And so I went with her and I was able to I didn't walk the whole thing. Oh, because I was working, yeah. but I, I saw some stuff and my God, it's there's so much good treasures there. It was just like I felt like, oh, my God, I, this is my heaven because I, I love finding <laughs> old stuff and repurposing it or you know it just it was just so magical it's sort of it's sort of like the feel of this is like going to what I would think going into your grandma's attic and finding all these treasures you know and so and so equally the fact that it takes place at the uh at the Pasadena Rose Bowl swap meet is kind of the same way I feel about the comic it's full of treasures uh, the yeah. artwork, uh, the characters, Anna, Robert, the dwarf. I mean, mm -hmm. her friend May, who's so sassy, and and it just it's, <laughs> it's, I, I, and even even the little the little uh, the little dragons when they get into the little tussles yeah. with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a really magical story. I really love it. Uh, right mm -hmm. off the bat, like I said, uh, Jen made me read it, and I'm glad she did. <laughs> well, I want to share with the listeners a brief little synopsis about what the book is about. Um, so basically, this is a story of Anna, a woman who sells handcrafts, um, who, who, uh, who handcrafts and sells all things dragons, and just like Sarah said, um, at the Rose Bowl Swap Meet in Pasadena. Um, and 
in the first issue, we read the first three, but in the first issue, she meets a woman who gives her some really amazing, cool fabric and uh, asks her to use it to sew up her favorite crystal dragons. And, um, but instead of crystals, this woman gives her like some really ominous looking brimstone that mm -hmm. she is told needs to place into each of the dragon as she makes them. Um, and so after she makes them, Anna wakes up the next day to find out that magically these dragons that she's made have come to life. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I just love the first issue because I mean, she's, she's selling her dragons, her stuffed dragons. And then there's this, there's this cute little girl who's like, Oh, that was so pretty mom. Can I have it? And then she's like, Oh, you know, we can't afford it. Uh, but then this, there's this guy who comes in and he, and, and his daughter's like, I want it dad. And he's like, I'll take it. She's like, well, it's, you know, the other little girl has it. Maybe it's hers. And he's like, no, well, I'll pay double. Daddy, I want it. I want it. And she's like, you know what? My dragons, they pick their owners. So she, she, I'm going to give it to her for free. She's like, well, nice doing business with you, lady. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I've met, I've met that guy several times in my lifetime. I, I have met that customer yes. several times. So I felt, I felt that. Yes. Um, yeah. So this is a, a very like heavy fantasy book, and but it's still a very much an all ages book, but it's just, from the beginning, like, they established who these people are, and you can tell that Anna has been established as someone who's very caring, who's, mm -hmm. uh, who loves, who lo who does her, her, I guess, this is kind of, like, her job, uh, is selling at the, the Rose Bowl, at the Rose Bowl Swami, uh, these, like, uh, these stuffed animals and, like, dragon, uh, like, toys and stuff like that, uh, and that she, she loves what she does. Uh, and the first issue was very establishing like characters and stuff like that. I'm not gonna lie, I I love uh, Kalsura, who is the woman or, yeah. or the older the old woman in disguise, who's actually a dragon. Yeah. Uh, who gives who gives um uh, Anna the fabric, and I really no just love how this follows. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so, Jen loves the dragon. <laughs> yeah, I do. This is she's so she's so mysterious and so like ominous and so cool because this she's depicted as an old woman, uh, yeah. but she's powerful. You can yes. tell, um, um, uh, like from the way that she's drawn to her interactions with, um, um, uh, what's his name again? Robert. Robert. Yeah, from her interactions with Robert. So it's, uh, she, she was really cool, uh, but I love the setup and kind of the, the follow, the follow of how they establish everything. It reads like most, uh, like there, there's a specific setup, like there's a, there's a deal struck that sounds too good to be true, and then there's consequences to it as well. Uh, uh, nothing is kind of like, one of the major things in fantasy works, especially like this one, is that, uh, uh, that one no good deed goes unpunished, and that uh, bargain bargains will get you in trouble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and what we're talking about is that uh, when she offered to pay for the fabric, she was like, "Oh no, I didn't even think about what it could cost." And mm -hmm. so she said, "You know what? Just I'll give it to you for free, but just put the brimstone inside when you sew the dragons." And mm -hmm. you know that kind of backfired, although. Um, <laughs> Anna 
fell in love with the little dragon babies. Mm-hmm. She did. And she does uh, She does become uh, their kind of caretaker. And this actually becomes a problem by the third book. Yes. Because because um, uh, we find out that Robert is a dragon slayer. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> because why isn't he? <laughs> yeah, why isn't he? He's a he's a dwarf who's a, who's a dragon slayer. And I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool actually. Yeah, me um, too. Because um, there is, uh, throughout this, they they don't go like into another dimension or something like that. Uh, or at least they don't yet. Uh, it could still happen, but it supposes that magical creatures already exist in. In the, in the regular world, they're just hiding. Uh, and it's actually, it's stated that Kalsura is the last of her kind. Yes. Uh, the last dragon on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but now she has, now she's given, and I, I don't know if it's, I don't quite, I don't know if they said, I don't remember if they said it in the book or not, but the fabric that she gave uh, Anna is actually her dragon her, her dragon skin. Her dragon I skin. know. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. awesome? And I, was just like, and I was just like, isn't that fucking metal? That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> like, she didn't lay eggs. She was just so like, here's my fucking skin. Uh, uh-huh. here's, a, here's some sulfur to to become their hearts. Uh, sew them to life, and these are my children. Yeah. And I was just so like, that's that's pretty fucking rad, actually. Um, um, so if it's not... If all established, I really fucking love dragons. I think <laughs> dragons are the coolest fucking shit ever. So reading this story, it, I felt like I was eight years old, eight years old again, finding out about dragons. So it just, it, I don't know. It, it was, it, it's an amazing story. It captures everything that I love about fantasy, uh, and it's drawn extremely well and told very well. Um, um, yeah. And it's, uh, and it's written by all women. I feel like. Like if, like this this book was made for me specifically just for me. Yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty great. Uh, I also love the little allusions uh, in the book to other fairy tales. There's like a specific scene when Anna's walking um, uh, through the swamp meet and she passes some at- antiques and you see a clock, a chip cup, and a brown a, a pretty brown haired girl and that's oh, an allusion to Beauty yeah. and the Beast. Yeah. yeah. And so, and even um, uh, her friend, she kind of looks like Jasmine. May, yes. Yeah, ah, May. She kind of looks like Jasmine. At least to me, she kind of does. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, there's like, there's, uh, in all these pages, there's little allusions to other fairy tales and stuff like that, which I think was like, was really, like, really nice and really cute and like, kind of like a little, like a very nice uh, Easter egg. Oh, uh, nice. To people who love like fantasy or like fantasy or fairy tales and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I really love the backstory because they give us a little backstory on Robert, uh, the dwarf yeah. who's a who's a dragon mm-hmm. slayer who has the only blade on earth that can kill the dragon. So I'm just like he's like uh it, it was a tradition passed down from their family from long hundreds and hundreds of years ago and he is kind of the last of his kind as well mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's no more dragon slayers out there so um it just so happens that Robert happens to be Anna's best friend so it's like but I love the reaction he has towards the dragon he immediately goes for his sword he immediately yeah. wants to kill them because he tells Anna you are not the mother you're just a caregiver and yeah. when and it is 
always known that when the mother comes around, the car- the, the, the dragons are going to eat you and eat you. So it's like, <laughs> oh, she, like, but she yeah. still refuses to, uh, to kill them. She, she, she loves them. She refuses to yeah. give them up because she loves them. Yeah. And, uh, we get, there's a sense cause there's, she names all, she names all the dragons, like kind of how you would a cat. Because yes, they're very yeah. cat-like. And, of course, this can this can happen because who the fuck knows what dragons act like? They could be, they act like anything. Yeah. We don't know. They're not real. <laughs> so, But I like it. My, my favorite ones, my favorite uh, allusions to dragons is that they're, like, kind of half reptile, half snake uh, interactions. Uh-huh. And these this one went more, like, uh, like half reptile or, like, half cat, like, beings. Uh, I said yeah. snake. It's a, snake is a reptile. I'm, uh, they're very traviesos <laughs> yeah pretty much and so i kind of i kind of like those depictions and that's uh that's how they're depicted here they're more like cats but mm-hmm. as a you can see them i that's also that's another thing i loved about the art is that you can see the progression in the art of how the dragons age and how mm-hmm. they slowly get bigger and bigger with each issue so by the time we reach the third issue they're about they're a, a little bit bigger than the average house cat uh, whereas oh, yeah. before they were maybe like kitten sized or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's um uh, she she names them I guess uh Lizzie, Midas, uh George, <laughs> Penny, Albert, uh, Penny and Goldie. Uh, uh yeah, Goldie. and so yeah. one of them was Goldie. But uh they're they're they all have very like human or kind of funny names. Mm-hmm. Uh but the one there is one, and it's Albert, who's a purple dragon, and purple purple is her favorite color, uh, who actually, she dropped his brimstone heart while she was making him, and it broke, yeah. and she glued it back together. So there's something in, because of that, uh, Albert the dragon is different from mm-hmm. uh, his siblings, uh, and it's, uh, and you can see that because while the other dragons are collecting, like, gold, and like uh, silver and like shiny things, he he has his little hoard of action figures. <laughs> yeah, so his hoard is is action figures. So I kind of like those details about like the dragon hoarding and stuff like that. Um, and it's uh it's it's really interesting. And the the last issue actually left us on kind of a cliffhanger. And I really want issue number four. So I'm gonna go to. Uh, the, the website. website and be like give me all of your books right <laughs> now well unfortunately number four is the only one that's available online there's not a five so um but you will be able to see what happens what what the outcome of that cliffhanger is but yes um i'm assuming they'll probably be collecting um these issues into a trade pretty soon given mm-hmm. that four is out um and I don't know if they'll go five before the trade or whatever, but usually because this is a very small publishing company, um, just in looking the, in the history of their um, publishing um, calendar, we picked one issue up every year at a convention. So yes. that's about what their schedule is like uh, <laughs> for, for this book. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But maybe perhaps because we're in the situation of coronavirus, maybe they may release sooner just because we're all kind of indoors and, you know, there's a lot of Kickstarters going on right now because people have been working on 
this type of thing because they have more time. So hopefully yeah. that means that maybe we could have an issue come out a little bit earlier. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, we definitely should pick up that number four. I, I'm there. I'm so there. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm getting it. I, I need to know what happens. Yes, but that cliffhanger was so like dramatic. I'm like, I need. Oh my god, that's it. Oh no. Not, like, <laughs> yeah, I no, definitely is, need to know. This is definitely very great storytelling. I, I really like it. Uh, it's, it's a fun read. It's got, it's got your fantasy basics. Uh, but spins them really uniquely because this is a, this isn't an idea that I, that has ever occurred to me. Like, because I've read a I've read a lot of fantasy and like about dragons, and most people resort to like oh the dragon eggs and stuff like that. Uh, but this one it's it's even more fantastical in a sense. Like mm-hmm. you take the you take the scale you take the scale the scales and skin of a dragon and you sew them up, give them a brimstone heart, and they come to life like that's 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 like even more fantastical in its own way um uh, than just like oh dragon lays an egg you got to take care of it (laughs) so it's uh it's it's very it's a very unique fantasy spin especially since it takes place in pasadena of all places uh and then you see allusions to like the sierra nevada mountains as well Mm -hmm. and south pasadena uh as well so it's a it's a it's somehow it's very local to the area that we're in but also made made extraordinary because of its subject matter yes Uh, there's dragons living in the sierra nevada mountain (laughs) that's fucking cool so what did you think kristen i know i know uh, jen and i have been geeking out about it for sure (laughs) (laughs) uh well i actually really liked it i was surprise fantasy ironically fantasy uh comics that i've read are just not my thing but like growing up i loved um i loved uh, king arthur movies and tv shows and uh jason and the argonauts and like all that kind of stuff i love game of thrones like uh, that's like Clash of the Titans. I loved yes. that movie. Look at it now. Love so that cool. movie. But I loved it as a kid. Um, but fantasy comics, I haven't found anything that has really like pulled me in. So I was not interested in reading this at all. <laughs> and I know that <laughs> Jen was like, you got to read it. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> and then it just got pushed to the bottom of the pile. And then when Sarah got the books, she was like, she got in charge. So she put it to the front because it was one of the ones that we had been talking about for a long time. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess I have to read it now. But I was really, I was very, very, um, like, surprised at how much I did like it. And I love that it's fantasy, but it's set in a modern um, mm-hmm. background, like Pasadena. And I, mm-hmm. I used to live in Pasadena, so I recognize a lot of uh like when they talked about the rose bowl and there were some like other little things that they um, were talking about and referred to that i was like oh yeah i know what you're talking about it just was um super cool to see uh, a fantasy dragon story set in pasadena california um 
all of the um, the story components of uh, the ominous old lady and then the best friend who turns out to have this super secret that of course is going to be a big deal to Anna because he's Dragon Slayer and uh, now she has these little dragons. Uh, Anna herself trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life if, if making dragons and selling them at, at yards, uh, not yard sales, at um, uh, swap, meets. swap meets is like her, her, his, her future, mm -hmm. her other friend coming over and actually not even blinking an eye and being like, okay, I guess I'm a, a dragon babysitter now. And <laughs> <laughs> um, they just did a really, really good job. And yes, the art was very um, appealing to me. Uh, a lot of times, even if the story is good, the art, if the art is not uh, appealing to me, I won't get into the story. Um, but same as you, there is um, so much to, I want to go back and look for those Easter eggs, but there's so much left in that last issue that you're like, okay, yes, I wanted to read it right then and there. So um, <laughs> definitely uh, would recommend it. And I really liked it a lot. And um, I'm, I, I acquiesce to the fact that <laughs> I would love <laughs> uh, Those sweet dulcet tones. <laughs> I know. It's sort, of, it's sort of like you send out your, your comic issues into the world of, of Kristen, and you, you, like, a few days later, gently, gently ask, so do you like them? Because you're, you're basically, you t took out your heart and you just handed it to her. Because this is what these, this, these comics are. They're just so yeah. amazing that if it'll hurt your feelings if your friend doesn't like them. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> See, I was, I, was, I was really hoping that you all would like it. Because I immediately fell in love with the series with issue one. Uh, and when all the other issues, I actually picked up issue number three at San Diego Comic-Con. And I bought the exclusive cover that they had because I was just like, I wasn't expecting to see them there for some reason. Because we had seen, I think we first saw them at Long Beach Comic Con and I picked up mm -hmm. issues one and two and three hadn't come out then. But then uh, when we went to Comic Con in 20, 2018, 2019? I think 2018, I think. I think 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw them there and I saw that they had issue number three and I was just like, oh, hell yeah. When is issue come, four going to come out? And they're like, oh, probably like in a couple months. Liars. It came out this year. That's one thing that Eddie always, uh, when he's at conventions, he always gets frustrated because he's there selling his books and then people, he's selling, we'll say issue four. And then people come, they buy it on the first day, and then they come back the second day, and they're like, I'm here to buy issue five. And he's like, motherfuckers, it took me like a year and a half to do this one, and you want me to do them issue five. <laughs> but you know, that that's just how hungry fans are. We're like, we want it, mm -hmm. we want it now. Yeah. But uh, so, I mean, this is a great book. Are you guys ready to rate it? Yep. Yeah. All right, you go. You go first, Jen, because you brought this to into our lives. <laughs> I'm gonna give it uh, a horde of uh, pan dulce. 
If I was a dragon, <laughs> or if we this if this podcast was a dragon, our horde would be like pandulces. That's it. A giant <laughs> horde of pandulces. <laughs> I gave it a horde of pandulces and a cup of champurrados. It's it's amazing. I love it. I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, I'm gonna second that, Jen. A horde of pandulces sounds just about right for these hungry dragon babies. <laughs> Oh, if we're hoarding stuff, I'm going to hoard tacos and, and, <laughs> and nachos and what else? Uh, those um, molidos that you always have me eat full of cheese at the top oh, of yeah. the <laughs> Molitas, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. If delicious. Were, as a party, parting question, uh, if you were a dragon, what would your hoard be? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> uh, what would yeah. it be? Hmm. Definitely food. It's gonna I was be gonna food. Say, food. Uh, for me, food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything else. I mean, food. Maybe beer. To me? <laughs> actually, actually, for you, Sarah, I think your hoard would be beer. It would be beer. Yeah, that's that's about right. I think uh, I went back to dudes and got two more cases of the twenty four for twenty four, because I don't know when it's gonna end. I don't know when it's gonna. I don't know when it's gonna end. What if it ends tomorrow? I'm gonna miss out. I'm hoarding beer now. I'm I'm hoarding it. <laughs> I already know what my hoard would be because I already have a hoard of it, and it's a pile of books and comics. That's my hoard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I have piles and piles all over the house of books and comics. Sarah would be Beard and Color Street. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. I'm just waiting to oh change God. this one because I want to. I mean, I'm so in love with Color Street, dude. I, and I blame <laughs> you, Kristen. <laughs> uh well so yes i will also be a horde of yummy stuff but um i would give it the whole panaderia it it's it's just so good and honestly it elevates it just knowing that it is from a publishing company that's main purpose is to rise up the voice of women in the comic book industry so um definitely check out chimerapress.com and they have tons uh, this is not the only um the only title they have a lot of other titles that look very very interesting all right, guys, that has been our rating of this wonderful book, Dragons by the Yard. First three issue rating. Uh, we have yet to read issue four, but we're very excited to do so. Now it's time for On My Radar. And Kristen, you have an On My Radar on Chimera Press. Do tell. Yes. So... Um, Chimera Press has uh, one of the books that we were talking about that they have offered on their website is something called Mary Shelley Presents. And they actually just kickstarted a trade paperback of their single issues, but their single issues are available on their website. But this is such an amazing concept. I needed to talk about it because when we were, when I was looking on the website, um, researching about Chimera Press, um, this came up. And so Mary Shelley Presents is basically um, a comic where they've taken Victorian era women writers and they have um, taken their stories and adapted them into graphic stories. 
And these are all women who in their time were popular. Their stories were popular, but patriarchy and history has not remembered them. And um, they never got their due, uh, their due, you know, regard. And so this project is taking those stories and repackaging them as graphic stories. And they are being quote unquote, introduced and presented by a um, graphic character who is Mary Shelley and her Woo! monster. Yes. So, um, so that just sounded amazing. These women, uh, I left it out. These women were all horror writers. So um, if you are into horror and uh, you are a fan of um, horror stories, regardless if they're graphic or not, I would highly recommend Mary Shelley Presents. The, the concept just seems amazing to me. And the fact that these women, after all of these decades, um, are getting their um, accolades, I think is just amazing. So uh, it's Mary Shelley Presents, and you can find it on, their, on Chimera Press's website, chimerapress.com. Um, actually, uh, I just saw the Little Women, the new remake of Little Women, the the, the book. Um, yeah. And uh, one of the things that I noticed was that Joe March, the character, was a horror writer, and her stories were published in the newspaper. Uh, but she did not take any credit for them because she just wanted to sell her stories. Mm -hmm. So she, they didn't even have like a pen name or anything. And I also noticed on other movies of period movies where uh, horror writer women would use a pen name that had like an initial like R.L. Stein, mm -hmm. you know, or something like that, you know, where they didn't, they couldn't find out that it was actually a woman writer yeah. behind the story. So I, I am, I, uh, I'm really excited for this because I love horror. And, um, mm -hmm. and I love Chimera Press. So <laughs> this is perfect. This is actually really perfect. Yeah. It I sounds also, super interesting. Right? I'm, uh, oh, I'm going, I'm going on the website after this and buying all their books. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have uh, on my radar and uh, I actually just started watching Cobra Kai on Netflix. Yes. Yay! Yes. I, I think they have the first two seasons. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> what was that, Kristen? Sweep the leg. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it. Uh, it turns out it's really a, a really great series. Um, uh, I'm watching it in Spanish right now, but I'm gonna rewatch it in English. But there's a lot of like '80s music in the background. Um, I I feel so sorry for Johnny, and then there's a lot of great characters that are introduced in this new series. So I'm really excited. My husband actually stopped watching it right now because he wants to watch it together. So he's Aww. he's honor <laughs> he's he's honoring that uh, not going ahead of me right now. So I'm really excited yeah. about that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um, I totally love it. I'm so excited about that. Also on my radar is uh, Lovecraft C County. Lovecraft mm -hmm. County. And I've heard that, good stuff country? about that. Huh? It's oh, it Lovecraft country? country. Yes, you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, and actually, that is on a HBO through Hulu. So if you have mm -hmm. Hulu and HBO, you're able to watch it. Uh, it's so good. It's set up in um, you said like Jim Crow, um, 1950s uh, 
and the cast and the main characters are all uh, uh, black men and women. And it's just so good because they're not only battling monsters, they're battling racism. Like, mm-hmm. my God, I mean, uh, uh, just, it's so good. It's so well done. Um, this last episode I saw, I was just like in shock. I'm like, oh my God, how can they afford to destroy this? Because it's so beautiful. And did they just make it for the series? Like, I'm just, I'm thinking about all the, you know, um, the, uh, because everything is set in the 1950s. So basically all that stuff is stuff that's not around right now. So like they probably have a really good budget on the series. And I really highly recommend you watch it because it's, really amazing um i actually started um a post on our comadresi comics uh facebook page and there's a lot there's a lot of people watching it and there it's based on a book and according to one of the people that posted it it follows the book really well so they're they're not disappointed and i don't want to read the book until i finish the series but i'm so excited i'm all here for it such a good series i highly recommend it if you guys have hulu and Hulu, um, HBO, definitely watch that series because it's. I think it's on its third or fourth episode right now, but it's so good. And oh, right okay. now, in, in, in a drought of programming right now because everything kind of stalled in production, it, this is a great addition to your uh, watch list for sure. Nice. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Especially what makes it, uh, Lovecraft Country and uh, those like it really incredible is that it is a retaking of... Uh, and re and a redoing of the works of Lovecraft, who mm-hmm. was a racist man, like he was extremely, extremely fucking racist. I don't think I can emphasize enough. Like if you read some of his other works besides the Cthulhu Mythos and everything like that, uh, it's they're not they yeah they are not good. Uh, the face you're yeah. making. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> I uh, I did I like I actually I went back. And like, uh, because it was like, it, it was for something, but I, I read, I went back and read his other works, which are available for free, like, or like via library and stuff like that. And like, uh, like, um, uh, archival sites and stuff like that. And they're just, they're, they're horrifying in how deeply racist they were. Wow. Um, I yeah. had no idea. Yeah, so uh, Lovecraft was a very racist man, but he he's well known for giving us like Cthulhu and all this stuff and like the 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 genuine horror of the unknown and stuff like that. And there is there is legitimacy legitimacy to that as well. But uh, stuff like the color the color from space, Lovecraft Country, and uh, there's this there's this ongoing trend right now of taking back Lovecraftian mm-hmm. horror. And like, and making it not yes about like these uh, eldritch beings, but also the horror of racism as well, and, right? And, yeah. and kind of retaking retaking them for the public, uh, and and for fans of for fans of horror as well. Um, uh, horror has I love horror. Horror is is it's interesting. It's it can be very deep. It doesn't it doesn't have to be all gore, Texas Main, Chainsaw Massacre two style. <laughs> But it uh, uh, it's uh, a lot of people don't realize just how sometimes how very tropey it is. But horror itself has all has actually been very inclusive because it has kind of like the permission to touch upon the taboo as well. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it it does though some of the representation is very like it's it may not it, it can be very stereotypical. It does generally have uh, a very kind of like diverse uh, diverse background and settings. Um, um, so it's 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 really cool. So if if you like if you like if you like Lovecraft Country, I recommend uh, the color from space. Uh, the colors from outer space and um, uh, the girl with all the gifts. Oh, so, I saw that one. So oh, that good. Was, that so was good. Especially, like, oh my again, god. Mixing that horror and race in like uh, in almost like a sci-fi esque uh, build to it. Those are pretty good um, uh, follow-ups as well. Oh yeah, girl with all the gifts. Oh my god, I didn't see that coming at all. Like I just, I don't even know why I clicked on it and I was just pleasantly surprised. I was, I love that movie. It was so good. Mm -hmm. Speaking of horror, I went on a rabbit hole uh, with Bailey Sarian. Bailey Sarian is a woman on YouTube who does true crime stories and her makeup at the same time. (laughs) And I, I am totally in love with her because she does a lot of research before she talks about these stories and they're all true stories. And, um, and her personality really comes out as she's doing her makeup <laughs> and she makes her own actual, uh, kind of final thoughts. So, um, yeah. yeah. And they, they're about like 45 minutes, 25 minutes to 45 minutes. And it's like, I mean, I kind of started watching it because of the makeup, but then I was just captivated by the stories. Yeah. So, Me but, too. I, I just randomly saw it on my Facebook feed one day and I clicked on it and then I had to just go find her and watch them all and listen to them. And I think she kind of find found her niche because when you go back to her early stuff, it's basically just her doing her makeup and whatever. But this whole horror thing is something that is more recent. And, um, she just has a really like fun personality and she just puts, she's basically just retelling the story of true crime. Um, mm. that has happened in, throughout history while she does her makeup. And I'm mm. telling you, her makeup is always on point. Oh, my God. And <laughs> as she's doing it, I'm like, seriously? Like, at some points, she has, like, all these different colors and whatever, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, how is this going to be good? But at the end, every time, it's flawless. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know what I really like about her, too, is the fact that when she starts off her video, she's makeup-free. Yeah. So, you know, she's just like unapologetically herself and she's like, this is me. And now we're going to put on the makeup. So it's like, it's awesome. It's like another level of just being um, comfortable in your own skin. And you know what? I also noticed that sometimes she doesn't even have to look at the mirror while she's doing makeup because she, there are some women and I'm not one of them. (laughs) <laughs> where they have they have done their makeup their like for many many years and they can they actually know their their face by touch mm-hmm. so that they they yeah and my boss she does that she doesn't use a mirror to put on makeup and I'm like really the, the first time I saw her do it I was like you're not using a mirror she's like that's oh no superpower she's like this is yeah. this is how I do it all the time and I was like right. that's how you do it all the time you never use a freaking mirror not even for mascara or eyeliner the fuck mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> there are women that's, out there guys that's witchcraft yes <laughs> I absolutely 100% agree that's witchcraft <laughs> 
All right, it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today I have um, a novel that I would like to share with everybody that I think um, would be uh, something that everybody sh could read no matter what your age um, or offer to uh, young kids that you have in your life. But the novel, and when I say novel, it's not a graphic novel. It's a it's a book without pictures, people. Uh, those <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's written by Words. a creator um, named Sophie LaBelle. And Sophie LaBelle is actually the creator of a webcomic called Assigned Male. And she's a trans, um, a trans woman. And Assigned Male is um, all about her, um, it's kind of autobiographical experiences that she's gone through, through her transition, and then just, you know, the things that she's dealt with, and um, uh, prejudices, and stuff like that. Um, it's a actually very educational webcomic as well. I follow, um, I follow it on Facebook, so uh, if you uh, haven't heard of it, definitely check it out. But this novel is a novel that is um, geared towards nine to 12 year olds. And it is a story of trans friendships that Sophie um, is touting has nothing to do with the usual tropes that you see in most stories that feature, tra feature trans people. So the, um, the little uh, synopsis says, CL is excited to start high school. A gender non-conforming trans kid CL has a YouTube channel and dreams of getting a better camera to really make a mark. CL can always rely on their best friend, Steffi, a trans girl who also happens to be a huge nerd. But their friendship begins to feel distant when Steffi makes it very clear she wants the fact that she's trans to be more invisible in high school. While navigating this new friendship dynamic, CL is also trying to make a long distance relationship work with her boyfriend, uh, with their boyfriend, Eric Kerr, who just moved back to Iceland. When CL befriends Liam, a new trans boy at school, things become more complicated by the minute. So you see that in this book, there's not just one trans token person. Uh, and um, the fact that this story is um, geared towards nine to 12 year olds, I'm hoping really tries, uh, really focuses on normalizing uh, transgender uh, and tra transgender people. And just um, the story itself just sounds like every other YA story that you read. Um, and I'm hoping that it really is received well uh, and openly uh, in all communities. So right now, it's not available to order. It's available to pre-order. You can order it either from your local bookstore or online, Amazon, but it will become available on September 15th. Excellent. That sounds really sounds awesome. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually really happy to see more transgender characters out there in the world. Like, uh, uh, there's the one with, um, uh, there's this HBO series called I May Destroy You. They just presented a transgender male. And I'm just like, this is so awesome. And, you know, they're not really like oh putting a magnet on these characters they're just characters that move the story forward and you know 
I guess normalizing exactly what you said, normalizing these characters, I think it's really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for, for bringing that. And hopefully we can, where can we pick up the book you said on the website? You can pick it up on, um, I got the information from Barnes and Noble, but um, she, when, when they shared the, um, I don't actually know what her, pro, what their pronouns are, so I will use they and them. Um, when they shared the website or, or the book information, they talked about um, being able to order it through your local bookstore. So regular bookstore, not comic bookstore, um, or online through a bookstore um, and also uh, places like Amazon and stuff like that. So, but if you don't want to support those big box uh, companies, definitely check out your local bookstore and order it from them. Excellent. And now it's time for saludos, guys. And today, estamos saludando a Caden Phoenix. Uh, she has her Santa Kickstarter going on right now. It has nine days to go as of today, but they have raised $5,735 from their original um, $3,000 uh, pledge. Oh, wow. Yes. So they actually uncovered their first uh, stretch goal, which is a Santa tote, which I am getting because I contributed to the Kickstarter. So I'm very excited for that. Um, so we're really happy that she is creating this whole universe of superhero female uh people of color, Latinas, and so uh, we are so excited that uh, she has reached her goal and far beyond that. So, saludos to her. Also, saludos to uh, East um, Dana, the Wear Spider, has a new Kickstarter starting up on Monday, so we're really excited about that. Yes! Uh, So that, I think, (laughs) is going to be the third volume. that I saw that was available. So that's really exciting uh, news for for us because we love the book. So Greg Anderson Elise is launching his Kickstarter on Monday and we will be posting that information. We wish him all the luck in the world because we totally love his writing and we love Isnana. So saludos out to him as well. And I have one to add um, because when we uh, recorded before, we weren't able to say anything, but it has become public that the Latino Comics (laughs) Expo is going to become worldwide and they are asking that you save the date and it's coming soon. They are collaborating with MOLA, the Museum of Latin American Art, which is where we actually attended our very first Latino Comics Expo. And Mm -hmm. they are going to have a week long um schedule of panels and interesting things going on beginning september 13th through 19th and there's actually going to be a latina power panel um i believe kicking off the expo on september 13th which is a sunday so keep your eyes and ears open for more information about the panels and other cool things that will be brought to you by the latino comics expo partnered with the museum of latin american art yes the best panel ever by the way (laughs) thanks so much i was wondering when we can announce those news and you guys i don't know if you guys know but our very own Kristen will be the moderator of latina power uh, panel so exciting guys stay tuned yes all right guys and now that 
we have come to the end of this episode. Uh, where can they find us, girls? So you can find us on Facebook at Comic Comadres and on Instagram at Comadres y Comics. And if you go to comadresycomics.com, you will see a placeholder page because yes, finally after almost four, no, five years, um, four years, five years, we are getting a website. So if you go to comadresycomics.com, there's actually a place for you to sign up to be notified when the website is live and for any other information that we have um, that would be coming your way that you might be interested in. And um, cross your fingers that it is up soon. We are working diligently on it. So eventually you're going to be able to find us at comadresycomics.com. Excellent. We're working on it. <laughs> but it will be available soon. And you can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres where you can DM us. We have uh, had plenty of people DM us their comics uh, to review. Uh, and it is one of the fastest ways to get to us as well. Yes, or you can email us directly at comadresycomics at gmail.com. You could also find our podcast on uh periodnetwork.com where there's another a lot of other podcasts by women for everyone um also uh you could you we do have a snapchat we haven't been using it lately but you can add us at comadresy comic uh and thank you so much for listening guys we have been your host i'm sarah i'm Kristen, and i'm jen bye guys bye, bye.